Good morning, Franklin County. I am here uh, with the Honorable Stacy Rogers, who serves as the president-elect of the National Forum of Black Public Administrators and serves as the chief administrative officer for Baltimore County, Maryland. How are you doing this morning at ICMA? Indeed, I am well and really honored to join you uh, today. I want to thank you and uh, your team for inviting me. Yes, you are um, a living example of She Leads. <laughs> um, just the size of the government in Baltimore County. Give us a little preview of, 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 of what the size and scope of the government there um, in Baltimore County, Maryland, uh, that you're in charge of and that you do you every day? Well, uh, Baltimore County uh, is the third largest jurisdiction in Maryland. We have 850,000 uh, residents and uh, we are a charter uh, government. We have a uh, elected county executive and I am appointed. My role that people often ask, what does the uh, county administrative officer uh, do? I'm responsible for the day-to-day -day operation of the uh, county government. Uh, my role or my job description, if you will, is defined in our charter. So that makes it uh, real clear uh, to everyone what my responsibilities are. One of the biggest responsibilities is annually developing and uh, presenting to the county executive for his consideration and submission to our county council. We have a seven member uh, county council that we work closely with to carry out the work. We have uh, our FY24 operating budget is $4.4 billion. Uh, and I'll say uh, our workforce in, in full force is a little under 10,000 employees. Uh, right now, as many jurisdictions, uh, we're struggling from the with the great resignation, mm -hmm. and we have quite a few vacancies, particularly in our public safety spaces. So that's one of our big challenges right now. There's a saying in our field, show me your budget, show me your priorities. Of over $4 billion, where does the money majority go? Well, Ken, uh, we're in a county that we fund our school system. So 48% of our budget goes to the school system. Right behind that is public safety and then the rest of the government. Um, from the standpoint of our working relationship with the school system to develop that budget each year, um, it's, it's a uh, deliberative process. We work very closely with the school system, but that's where the majority of the the funds go to the school system. That's you know that's what we see a lot. Yeah, it's what's a little bit different it, um, in some jurisdictions. Uh, funding of, of education goes through local school boards. Yes, uh, and local school boards have tax and authority, but you know. It's really about educating the youth of Baltimore 
who will be the future of Baltimore. Absolutely. In keeping people safe every day. Which Absolutely. It is basically you know, what you do, what your 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 one of your your biggest charge is is where I see it. Um well back to the question of uh, about uh priorities, I will say uh when our administration arrived and I'm I'm just so pleased to uh work with our county executive very, very closely. Uh um County Executive John a. Olszewski Jr. is our county executive. We changed things uh, a little bit in terms of engagement with community with respect to our budgeting process and hearing from community. Mm-hmm. In, in prior administrations, very few people came out to testify on behalf of or about our budget, period. But under the county executive's leadership, we absolutely opened that up. And we started budget town halls Mm -hmm. where we went into the community and talked about uh, what we were doing and heard from uh, community members. And that way, thousands of people participated Mm -hmm. in the process. We have about well, we have uh, seven councilman jurisdictions and Mm -hmm. we hosted a town hall in each of those jurisdictions uh, in conjunction with the council member and heard from the citizens. And even more recently, we began to do, you know, the little uh, immediate response polls. Uh-huh. And the citizenry has responded affirmatively that between uh, public safety and education, that's where their priorities are too. So it, it, we do have confirmation that our budget priorities are aligned. The other big thing that we did uh, prior to our administration, we did not have an enterprise-wide strategic plan. And that's where where my base is around having that plan, because we know that without a plan, that you're all working together toward reaching goals, it's difficult for an enterprise to make, you know, demonstrative uh, moves forward uh, as an organization. So we have six goals. And it is based on community, it's based on accountability, and uh, in terms of uh, sustainability, you know, we're concerned about issues of uh, sustainability, uh, ethics. We have a big, you know, um, accountability piece for the government and empowered workforce. And now we're branching that out from just focusing on the internal workforce, but the entire County workforce. Somebody, please. Workforce is is everything. Um, Absolutely. We can't Behind serve the our <laughs> can't we can't serve we can't serve our residents if we don't have a quality workforce. And you spoke of the Great Resignation. You spoke of um, a increasing demand from employees for greater work life balance. Absolutely. And, you know, they uh, people uh, before the pandemic um, compromised uh, work-life balance in a lot of cases, but not anymore. So as administrators, we have to speak to that and act uh, in a way that not only we say to our employees that we value them, but we have to show them in a tangible way that we value them. 
Absolutely. And I was so impressed recently uh, when we were uh, participants at the, the NACO, uh, the Business of Counties uh, Forum just this past week, the physician who came and talked to us realistically about that. I was very impressed with the presentation and the data. So this is something that we really do have to focus on because the intergenerational uh, considerations with the workforce, the uh, balance between trying to, you know, be more flexible in tours of duty, whether that's uh, teleworking, what jobs are portable to a teleworking environment, accountability, uh, access in terms of our employees, because it's it's not we can't be confused about the mm -hmm. fact that when you're teleworking, you're just sitting in a different seat. But sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, they're teleworking today. Mm -hmm. But when teleworking and different alternative ways of, of doing our work begin to compromise our service delivery and access for our residents, then that's a challenge. So we have to be very, very careful to set clear expectations but try to have that balance. And in our area, we're competing with the federal workforce. You know, we've got a number of major federal installations uh, in our immediate area. And uh, teleworking is, is a big piece of mm -hmm. the, the federal workspace and the salaries. So we have to really uh, work closely with our unions, you know, with, with the tours of duty and you know the options for telework how do we make the decisions on what positions are uh, appropriate for telework there's a lot to it yeah and we have to be ready to to be flexible what's the greatest opportunity that you see in the dmv the dc um Maryland and Virginia area, as you all call it, DMV. Mm -hmm. the, the and, DMV. What, and what do you see as the greatest challenge? One want to talk about the, the opportunity. Because of how we're situated, you know, between Northern Virginia, the District of Columbia, uh, the major, our, our two largest jurisdictions in Maryland are border jurisdictions with the District of Columbia. And then, of course, when you come to the Baltimore uh, metropolitan side is regional collaboration. We have so many opportunities as uh, uh, governments right there together to, to collaborate because, let's face it, natural disasters, you know, inclement weather issues, issues around... Uh, sustainability. What are we doing about the Chesapeake Bay that touches us all? Because we have to work together on those issues because no one jurisdiction can solve it alone. Global warming, you know, what are we doing about, you know, sustainable renewable energy collectively because our region is impacted by what we all do. And I'm pleased to say that we have a great working relationship in our region. We have to work more strategically, I believe, this is a challenge, to 
go after federal resources that we can use collectively to address some of the regional issues. Transportation across the metropolitan area. Also for us, you know, water and sewer issues, especially on the Baltimore side. We have, I was honored to um, chair our uh, review of our, our, our metro Mm -hmm. uh, utility, water utility, that the governing uh, guidance and legislation for the utility goes back to the early uh, 1900s. The last major change in the, the, the guiding documents and MOUs between the two jurisdictions go back to the 70s. So we, you know, people have talked about this for years but we proactively work together to do something about it, to take a close look. Yeah. Um, yes, resources are everything. Uh, when you talk about water, sewer, uh, having a reliable uh, source for electricity. There you go. And uh, the utility, yes, and digital access and broadband is Absolutely. very much a public utility. Um, is there any major initiatives or are there digital equity uh, issues in Baltimore County? Absolutely, I'm, I'm really pleased. Uh, even prior to the start of our administration five years ago, the county had been very successful in securing federal uh, funding uh, through NTIA. Uh, the National Telecommunications uh, Administration that's housed within commerce. And I'll also say I'm really, really pleased that the um, through NFBPA, the region, we received funding for um, that was geared toward digital equity uh, efforts in conjunction with historically black colleges and universities. And I'm very, very proud that uh, the county and Baltimore City are working with Morgan State University and Coppin State University, where actually I started my career, uh, on digital equity and inclusion activities, not only with connectivity, uh, but training and outreach into the community. The, the um, grant required uh, HBCU, a government entity, and a nonprofit community entity to work together and both universities received uh close to three million dollars each yeah. 2.9 million for one and then 1.98 million and we're a part of that it was a requirement of the the uh, grant program the yeah. mtia grant program so and it's focusing on three areas. Number one, not just uh, the access, but sustainability with the access in terms of promoting the, the federal uh, benefit, mm -hmm. the $30 a month benefit. So the state of Maryland kicked in and we're putting in uh, through the state an additional uh, $15 a month uh, for our residents who, who qualify. We're uh, doing training on how to utilize equipment. And then that next step that we're taking is how do we ensure that after 
residents receive the training, have the equipment, that if something happens to that equipment, that long-term they can get access to uh, repairs, things like that, because it's one thing to have it, but we well know that things go awry mm -hmm. with iPads and, and laptops and things like that. Yeah. And some of the data that the county, we did a, a digital uh, access survey a couple years ago. And within that data, it suggested to us that we needed to address those issues. So absolutely, Baltimore County uh, and working with our partner with Baltimore City, I believe are on the, the, the leading edge of uh, community engagement around digital access, uh, affordability, and long-term sustainability through NTIA funding. Thank you for sharing that great partnership. Yes. And collaborations matter. Absolutely. Um, you can accomplish so much more together than operating in silos. And for the listeners, the Affordable Connectivity Program, mm -hmm. if you're eligible, go online, Google it. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we want every resident of Absolutely. anywhere in the country to take advantage of if they're eligible. So thank Absolutely. you for mentioning that as well, Stacey. Uh, now let's talk about NFBPA. You mentioned um, your work uh, and now you're president-elect. Uh, just briefly touch on what you're seeking uh, to accomplish uh, in this position. And I know you're very excited about bringing the annual conference back to Baltimore. I believe you said three decades has been Absolutely. since you hosted it. So you're going to be the president. You're going to be the lady in charge. You're going to make sure that everything is right. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, it's one of my, Ken, it's one of my favorite subjects right now. It's, it's threefold for me. It's, it's, it's to me, you know, the, the circle, going, going full circle back to the beginning. Um, the NFBPA conference for all of your listening audience is April 3rd through the 7th, 2024 in Baltimore, in Baltimore City at the, um, Marriott Waterfront Hotel is our host hotel, but we are planning lots of uh, learning activities in Baltimore and in Baltimore County because Baltimore City and Baltimore County are two separate jurisdictions. But because of uh, the Maryland chapter being a state chapter, our approach to the conference is a little different because we are uh, hosting the, cap the, the conference in conjunction with the chapter, Maryland chapter, I'm very proud of, been a member for many, many years, uh, and the surrounding jurisdictions, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Baltimore County, we have a few others that we're working with, and Baltimore City, we are supporting jurisdictions supporting the conference. So lots of exciting things. The thing for me when I reflect back over these 30 years as I've shared a couple of times since we've been here at ICMA, is that going back 30 years, I was just starting out in my career and looking out at this sea of African-American professionals who looked like me, mm -hmm. that gave me the inspiration that I too could work in the public sector and be successful 
And NFBPA was the place that I could get the additional training besides, you know, my, my education, you know, my undergrad, my master's degree. Um, I learned about NFBPA from one of my professors at the University of Baltimore. And throughout that time, went through the training programs. We have two flagship programs, the mentor program for uh, colleagues who are in their early phases of their career. They're assigned a mentor, and those mentor relationships are long-term relationships. My mentor and I stayed together for 26 years. We were a mentoring management pair. Wherever she went, I went with her. So I've been in seven jurisdictions. Uh, She retired after we left the federal level. I had the honor of serving as the chief of staff for the Social Security Administration for six of the eight Obama years. And that organization touches the entire nation, everybody in the country in terms of its charge. So when you look at the experiences and opportunities and training opportunities, particularly for emerging leaders that are, that are looking to move up into uh, leadership roles. NFBPA is definitely an organization that is designed to do that. And in my t- during my tenure as president-elect and going forward into the presidency, that's one of my big pieces. Because when you look at government, you know, the way government is, is structured, and you look at the opportunities to grow and to move into positions, we, we will know that there's a lot of potential, but the opportunities come by who knows what you can do. When people are asking, do you know a good person? I'm asked that all the time. Do you know, do you have a clone? Someone recently said, do you have a clone? I said, I wish I did, but I'll say this. I know of young people in the pipeline who are ready, who, who are, have the potential, the capacity, and the ability to go forward. So we're promoting that. We also promote our relationship and partnership with ICMA because the ICMA certified uh, public manager program, Mm -hmm. excellent program. I share that information often with colleagues who uh, are looking to go in the uh, city county managers uh, track because Mm -hmm. there are opportunities all over the country. But we have to ensure that we're preparing the next generation and that they're ready because these jobs are not for the, for those things, the faint at heart. There's a lot, there's a lot of sacrifice and you have to be ready for that. Uh, I'm so glad you uh, talked about the importance of mentorship and the importance particularly um, as African-American leaders to set the example and to be committed to uplifting others and encouraging others to stay in the profession because there's numerous opportunities of different positions, but there is great reward in being a public servant. Absolutely. And impacting your community and being able to uh, work in areas such as early childhood learning, economic mobility, we need, we need, you know, to do everything we can to 
promote the profession and mentor those in the pipeline. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned HBCUs. Um, we need to promote public administration as a profession within HBCUs. Absolutely. Within you know higher education in general. Um, MBAs are great, but MPAs are great as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's very um, it's very versatile because a lot of um, young uh, professionals ask me that too. Was what did what do I see? MPA, MSW, MBA. I said, well, the MPA is broad enough that you could work in so many different fields. And the JD MPA is even more so. If I had to do it all over again, I would have gone that track because the law is so important to everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we do. People often ask me, am I an attorney? I said, no, I'm not an attorney, but I rely on my colleagues in the office of law because right. it's by what authority do we do what we do? And knowing that, knowing that when we're planning something, have we vetted and consulted uh, the law? What does our own uh, legislative uh, references say? What uh, does our code say? What does the state uh, you know, legislation say? Are we operating in our authority? So I often say, if you want to work in government in an operational capacity, then an MPA is definitely, because you're going to get budget, you're going to get uh, the, the programmatic operational aspect. How do you measure uh, and your outcomes? You're going, to, you're going to get performance management. You're going to get HR. You're going to get all of the foundational pieces. In our program, we, we had a subset on IT that I was like, why do we have to learn this? I would hire somebody to do these things. Right. But what the professor said at the end was, Sure, you'll hire people to do things, but how will you know if the people you're hiring are selling you a bill of goods or really doing what needs to be done? So you need a little bit of everything. An MPA gives you that. Yes. I could just talk at least a half an hour plus. I have so many other questions in my head, but we're limited in in time. Uh, As we uh, wrap up, um, the talk of the county, I want it to be a relaxed conversation, sure. but yet be informational to, 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 to residents that, that tune in. Uh, so uh, tell me a fun fact about Stacy Rogers, the <laughs> CAO for Baltimore County, Maryland. What, what, what fun fact? Well, what do you love? What's your flavorite ice cream? What, tell us a fun fact. Sure. Um, everyone who knows me, my fun fact uh, revolves around my grandchildren. I have two wonderful little grandsons. Uh, one just turned nine and the other one will be 11 in uh, January. And I still go to amusement parks. Uh, I hang out with them as much as I can. Uh, it's just a, a spinoff of uh, Funkadelic way back in the day. If you hear any noise, it's just me and my boys. Well, for me, if you hear any noise, it's just me and my G-boys, my grandsons. 
um, they, they keep me focused uh, because I know that there's a finite amount of time that they're going to be little boys. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time we hit middle school and the, the, the whole aspect of girls and other things come into play, they're not going to want to hang out with Grammy. But I, um, we go to amusement parks. I still ride on, on rides at, at 60 plus. I'm, I'm out there with them. We swim. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm already planning uh, post-conference to uh, take them on a cruise and oh, expi- experience. This will be our first international experience. We're going to Bermuda. And uh, they're very excited. We've looked at pictures and the things we want to do. But when it comes to them, they have said to me, Grammy, especially during COVID, why do you have to work so long? You go, you're on your computer when we get up in the morning and you're on your computer when we go to bed at night. Why do you have to work so many hours? And I say to them, it's because we have to ensure that in government, the people we're charged to serve get what they need. That's, that's, so, that's so important. Um, you have such an important job. You're over a multi-billion dollar budget. You have all of the issues that come up over the course of, uh, of every day. Uh, so being a soccer Grammy is important to you. I, I know. Absolutely. Went home, went from New Mexico, went back across the, the coast to go to my grandson's soccer games on Saturday, then flew back to, to Texas. Tell me you got a T-shirt with soccer Grammy on it. I don't, but I'm going to get one. <laughs> thank you for sharing that fun fact. And thank you for uh, agreeing to just have a conversation with me here on Talk of the County. Well, it was my pleasure. I had a wonderful experience during my um, undergrad experience. I spent two years at Ohio University in Athens. Bobcats. Go Bobcats. Uh, I have two lifelong friends. Um, One lives in Sandusky and one lives in Dayton. So I have connections to the state of Ohio. And being from Pittsburgh, I had uh, cousins and uh, relatives in Cleveland. So we made that trek back and forth on uh, 70 West coming into Cleveland uh, as a teenager, uh, coming over to the uh, Steelers and the Browns uh, football game. So I have a lot of uh, connectivity to Ohio. Ohio is a... A big football state. You're right about it's that. A big football state. Go Buckeyes. So um want to thank the listeners uh, for tuning in uh, to the first Talk of the County podcast with, with Stacy, the CAO for Baltimore County, Maryland. Thank you thank so you. much for that honor. And go Buckeyes. <laughs>